Let's jump in. So we're starting a new sermon series this week called Mind-Blowing Faith. And the idea of Mind-Blowing Faith is that we are looking at spending this summer having a little bit of fun, but fun with purpose. And what we found is that over the last several weeks, I've been talking to a lot of people, and they felt like they're living an ordinary faith. Like they want to like shake something loose because they're just walking through the motions or they haven't really been feeling it. And the problem with that is that we serve an extraordinary God. And so something's not matching up with this, right? I think there's a lot that's gone on in the last two years. We talked about that a lot. But ordinary faith is something that people are struggling with. And I think the Lord is calling us to extraordinary faith. So all we're going to be doing is kind of like a little B vitamin shot. Tell people not go through the motions, but we're going to go through some Bible stories that are like, did that really happen? And we're going to look at it and we're going to say, if it really happened and we believe that it really happened, what does that say about God and what does that say about us? And so one of the problems, yeah, yeah, one of the challenges with this church, if you know anything about the elder team, about the teachers up here, is we don't like ordinary. We like adventure. And so we are calling people to adventure all the time. And many of you are in positions, whether in your work or in different things, that you have to walk along this adventure. And so we're going to shake it loose a little bit. So I'm excited about this sermon series, all right? Today, I'm going to start off talking about an identity that we have as believers that is revolutionary once we fully get our heads around it. I will say this, I don't know that we can ever fully get our heads around it, but the goal is for, our, for us to get it a little bit more today. So today we're going to talk about that something that is so important in the identity of Jesus, but then also how the foundations of the world were set, and also what we are to do about it as believers. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So here's where I want to start. I'm convinced that no matter what age you are, you are still scared of the dark. I am, my kids are a perfect example of the dark, right? They hate the dark. They have an elaborate system that must happen every night when I put them to bed where there has to be a light on at every strategic point. So from their bedroom to their mom and dad's bedroom, there is light always, right? There can be no treacherous journey within this, all right? So there's, there's, there's this thing. Now, one of the stories that I love to share is that we live, we have to live on an old cottage by a lake. So we're talking like 1918 cottage. We're talking not even on a foundation cottage. So we got a lot of things going on. And one of the things that that attracts is rats. So we have rats. And not little rats. I swear they're like a splinter from the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And one time, there was a rat up there, and we were like a week into this. I had tried, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, we tried humane ways and inhumane ways to get rid of this rat. And it was like a rat parade one night. And so we're laying there, and we got, we, above our bed in the attic, there is just this scrambling that's happening to the point where May cannot take it any longer. I think I can fall asleep like that. I would have no problem. But she had problems with it. And so we decide to move to the guest room for that night. So we sleep in the guest room, and it's late at night. And I say, I think we should tell the kids that we're doing this. Because the guest room is on the other side of the house. Okay. Well, it should be a totally fine story. But for some reason, in the middle of perfect calm weather, our power went out. No wind, no storm, no nothing. And the kids, I don't know what it is about 
the, like kids, it's like a electromagnet field or something, but they know as soon as the electricity goes out. And for some reason, when they wake out up and all their lights are out and their alarm clock, they need to come tell mom and dad that the power's out, even if it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, my, parent, my, my kids make the, the long walk down the hallway to find their mom and dad's bed perfectly made and no parents in it with the power out. So I'll probably call them Phil Butterfield about some therapy that we need to get for our kids. Because the, the screaming and running around, they thought the rapture happened, mom and dad are gone, and it is at the top of their lungs crying. I mean, like, like where you... Abe, it took like 10 minutes to stop the tears from coming. And there's no mom and dad as we come down. Pure darkness. Now, if we're honest, I think sometimes darkness has always been a little scary for us. It is. It is a little scary for us. And I was reflecting on why life feels a little more intense right now. And I believe that we are entering in a time when we are face-to-face with darkness like we haven't been before. Now, I will say this. There has always been darkness around the world. Like, there, there's generations. If you've lived a long time, you know this. This isn't a special time that we're in right now, I don't believe, because darkness is always pressing. But we, as a generation, haven't felt darkness like this. And so we don't know what to do with it. It's a little bit scary. And, and it is interesting. You know, we've always had people sinning against us, right? We've always had people gossip about us or be mean to us or just uh, do things that are just not what we wanted them to do. But now there is this level of darkness. This building, uh, every day that I'm here, almost, I have to deal with some sort of darkness that I can feel. People are struggling right now. And it's not them. I think there's actual darkness that's happening. And so this morning, uh, you know, I had to gracefully move some, some people that were doing some stuff that shouldn't have been doing in our parking lot. And, and, and you, you enter into that and you have to communicate to them and you realize that there's a demonic presence to it and you're not talking to the beauty that God created right. but you're talking to something right. else. Yeah. That's right. yeah. And so for you, as we go to the town center, as you're teaching in schools, as you go to the, uh, the CVS or the Walgreens or whatever it is, you, feel, you can feel this level of darkness sometimes. That, that people are just struggling with this. And, we, and, and one of the things is, is that we are in this time where demonic presence is kind of taking root or, or getting more uh, prevalent or, or gaining some ground. You know, we have wars and rumors of wars. We have people using drugs. We have depression and suicide amongst young people like we've never had in our situation. And demonic stuff is happening that we as Christians have to understand and we have to know what to do with. Drug uses on the rise, witchcraft, fortune telling, astrology, places for darkness like never before to enter into your families, into your neighborhoods, and into your friends, even here at a church. Matter of fact, Diego was uh, down and they were doing, um, they always do talk back section. And TikTok is an app that many kids use and, and like they feed algorithms to them. So often these kids are admitting that they are getting, the algorithm is showing fortune telling and tarot card readings and astrology and things that they, like literally they didn't know it was wrong. I mean, they, they did in theory, but they didn't know what to do with it. Like, can you, be, can you believe in astrology and can you believe in God? Like, these are the questions. But darkness is just at fingertips. And it can get so led astray that we have to be really careful. 
Darkness seems to be creeping in. And this sermon won't be exhausted, but I hope it kind of lays the foundation for what we're going to be entering into as the next generation. So I want to start with some mind-blowing stuff, and we're going to start in Genesis 1. If there's nothing that blows your mind more than Genesis 1, you got it. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Now, as we see in the creation story, one of the first visible things that the Lord does is there's light and darkness. And he separates them, right? And have you ever noticed that light is something that's extremely powerful? It's like air. You don't know until you don't have it. Like my kids, right? They don't know that they have it until they don't have it, right? It's something we take for granted. Maybe less so here because it's dark most of the time. But, but you, you understand this, that light is one of the great beauties and blessings of our lives. And light is a mark of purity and power. And brightness is a symbol for joy and happiness. And now what we see is that God creates the heavens and the earth for, first, and darkness is over the surface of the earth, okay? Now the Hebrew thought here for darkness is much deeper than what we would say just the absence of light. The Hebrew word here for darkness is saying something that is dreaded, something that is a place where terror can hide. It's, it's a place where confusion and chaos an obscurity, and a place where evil can exist. Now, we know this to be true of our own lives, right? We know this to be true. There's a reason that parents and coaches all my life and all your life have said, nothing good happens after midnight, right? Like, that's a rule. My coach always said, nothing happens good after midnight, go to bed. Because generally, people don't get in trouble at 3 p.m., they get in trouble at 3 a.m., or at least that was the story of my life. And so we see this, is that there, there is this level of darkness, and nothing really good happens in darkness. When we experience people who may be living in darkness, or we experience presence of darkness, what we see is that these are words that can describe it. If there was somebody sitting in the back of our church, like today, and there wasn't darkness involved, I would be able to go, hey, we're getting ready to do this and we need you to move along. And they'd be like, oh, awesome, I'll see you. That's not how the conversation goes or how it went, right? right. And so you, you realize that there's a darkness that's happening that's taking over, and it's a gut check. You have this feeling that there's something going on that's different. I, was, uh, I had two sick kids this week, early this week, don't worry, we're good now. But, uh, but the, I heard, I was watching the kids, and I heard a car motor outside my house. And so I go out, and I look, and there's just a dude stealing my mail. And, and, and here's the truth. The red flag was up, and there was something that was going out. And luckily, the, all the guy got was a handwritten message from Abe to his best friend, Bill. And uh, there was a Lego and a uh, Baltimore Ravens Lamar Jackson card that they traded back and forth. So he didn't get much. But he, I said, hey, that's my son's card. And he made contact with me. And the gut check was darkness. And he drove off and then just, you know, he's yeah. probably mad at me now because he didn't get anything. But there was this level of darkness that I felt. Mm -hmm. And I had to talk to my kids about it. But what we see is that God creates light into, the, into this dark world and he separates 
darkness and light. Now, a couple things. There's a couple points. First, the first thing I noticed when I read this story is that God calls the light good. He calls light good. Note that he does not call darkness good. He calls light good. And we look at these two opposing things, darkness and light, and he calls the light good. Throughout creation story, God's handiwork happens, and the Lord calls it good. Seven times in chapter 1, he calls something he creates good. And so in essence, God is affirming this light as good. The Hebrew word here has a broad range of meaning, but it generally means it's desirable, it's beautiful, and it's right. So God is calling light right, which means that it's light in his presence. It's right in his presence. This is what he desires, is that light, not darkness. And you see this, that darkness throughout the Bible has the opposite effect, right? Over and over again, it's opposite. Now the second thing I noticed, this is really interesting, this is the mind-blowing part, is that light and darkness are separated on the earth, and the same earth that we're experiencing today, but light is created before the sun and before the moon to provide that light. So light is here before the sun and the moon are to provide that light. The sun, the thing that God set into motion for the earth to go around, the thing that determines our seasons, the thing that produces life, and without it we couldn't have life, is not created, but after light. After this idea of light, Genesis 1, 14, 16, And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as a sign to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made stars. And I love that. He also just made the stars. Uh, just let's throw that in there. If you've ever seen, like, in a dark place, not really out here, but if you go into the mountains, he's like, oh, he also made those. It's amazing. So before the sun is bolted in the sky to give light to the earth, to, to the earth and to plants, there is light. There's a lot of different thoughts here. But what we see is that it's amazing that the glory of God is so powerful that light emanates out of him and it's able to sustain life. That's what's happening here. And from the, it's, it's important for us to understand that, it, that dark cannot withstand it it cannot push against it. God can separate it, and light, his light, his glory can sustain life. It's amazing. We're going to look at it at the end because it happens again. Now, the third thing that's important to note is that the original story of darkness and light, the word here for God is Elohim. Elohim. Now, Elohim is a term that really just means the supreme being, the one that created things. Oftentimes, God in the Hebrew text is called Elohim. Now, what do we know about this? One, it's a noun. Two, it's common, so they use it. That's oftentimes how God's called. Three, it's masculine. But four, it's plural. It's plural. So God, Elohim in this, is plural. So from the first line of the Bible, we are seeing that God is a trinity. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all a part of the creation story. They're there. They're experiencing it. Yeah. So let's focus on the Son. S-O-N, 
not S-U-N. Let's focus on the sun here, okay? So the sun is there at the beginning. What do we know about the sun? Fast forward to John 8, 12. Here Jesus utters the greatest statement about his identity, I believe. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Jesus himself is saying, I am the light of the world. Those who believe in me will never do what? Never be able to walk in darkness. The statement should be profound movement in our souls. Because one of the most beautiful titles of Jesus Christ is light of the world. Since the beginning of time, Genesis 1, Jesus was there and Jesus is the light of the world. It's hard to get our heads around this. And we know that darkness had to be separate, separate and that light is good and darkness is not. This is a simple but profound truth. Since the foundation of the world, God is setting up the sun as light. S-O-N. Our Savior, our King, our salvation, our redemption, our everything was there from the beginning. And His glory is so amazing. And His glory is so magnificent. And His glory is so powerful that earth and life can sustain because of this light. It's why I get up here so often. I resisted so much today because I always try to get you guys going. But when we sing with our mouths, our heart has to be aligned. When we say that we praise the glory of God, we're saying the glory of God. The light which sustained the earth before the sun. It's crazy to think about. Mind blowing. I want to drill this into this. This is one of the most simple and profound truths that I believe that we need to be reminded of. Now, throughout the book of Isaiah, so we're going to go to Isaiah, we're going to go say the Old Testament here, he's going to be talking about this future Messiah that's coming up, right? He talks about it over and over again. Isaiah also talks over and over and over again about light and darkness, over and over again. So it's interesting because he talks about this struggle. So let's go to Isaiah 60. In chapter 60, the imagery of light comes forefront. God's saying, I'm going to light up my people so that they can now be the light of the world. Really important. Since, they said this since the Old Testament. Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, Jesus. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. What we are experiencing is over and over and over again. Darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the people. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears to you, over you. He's saying the light has come. And what is the light? The Lord himself is the light, Jesus, right? And so the glory of the Lord now rises upon you, okay? Isaiah 9-2 tells us this. The people who are walking in darkness have seen a great light, Jesus, right? On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has appeared. Or <clears throat> a light has gone. Sorry, go went wrong with that. And we know that in 9 6, the light of God is coming in the person of Jesus. Yes. Then there's this huge pause in history. From Isaiah to John 8, where Jesus yeah. declares himself this, right? 
But we know this. He's going to say, I am the light of the world. And all the pain of living in darkness that Isaiah and the Bible and everyone is telling you that you're going to experience talks about anticipation of this promised light is summed up by one declaration. Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. Like the creation of the world, darkness covers the earth. It still is covering the earth, right? Over and over again it says this. Humanity is wandering in the dark. That's what's happening. Just looking for hopes and answers. That's why I believe people get addicted to drugs. Because they are looking for hope and answers and to get rid of this pain. And that's the problem. That's why depression, suicide, so much is on the rise. Because they don't understand that they are walking in darkness. People walk around this world with lives that are meaningless and they're walking in darkness. The biblical text tells us that. And what we see since the foundations of the world with this word darkness, darkness breeds evil. Nighttime brings fear. There is a reason why my kids were screaming at the top of their lungs. Nighttime brings fear. It does. People who are living in the streets at nighttime, there is fear covered all over them. But Jesus comes into the world with the beginning of time and light bursts into darkness. And God said about light from the beginning, since the foundations of the world, it is good. Anyone facing grief or conflict or disappointment or bitterness or addiction, the light has come and the name is Jesus. All right, Isaiah 60, verse 5. This is like my new, tell me kids, this is like my new verse now. Isaiah 60, verse 5. It says, fast forward, then you will look and be radiant. Your hearts will throb and swell with joy. Not only is Jesus the light of the world, he's saying the community now is the light of the world. You guys, light shines on us, and we simply do this. We light up. We light up when darkness, when we come across darkness. We light up when we have tough conversations. We light up when we talk to the addict. We light up when we deal with someone who's going through depression and we help them. We light up and reflect the glory of the Lord. Darkness is going to try to push back. That's where we go wrong. When darkness pushes back, we don't understand that darkness will push back. He will hit my knee on the bed. <laughs> that was actually just my fault. But darkness will push back. Yes. But we overcome it. Yes. It has to be separated. Yes. We meet darkness and we just mm-hmm. run away in fear. <laughs> I mean, seriously, sometimes I do. But darkness is going to push back. But our lights cannot not shine. And darkness can't not overcome, or can't, darkness can't overcome light. That's the equation. We simply radiate and reflect Jesus and the glory of Jesus. The glory of Jesus shines on us, and when we walk into a dark world, we radiate. That's what we're like, radiation. We walk around and we radiate. That's what it's saying. And the second half of the verse tells us that our hearts will throb and swell with joy. We light up, and when we light up, we can't help but our hearts swell up and burst with joy. There's an equation here. When we fully understand the good news of Jesus, when we with reckless abandon lay down our lives, when we follow him with our whole life, we are promised that our lives light up with joy. Yeah. That's what's happening. 
And darkness has no choice but to flee. We overcome with light and with enthusiasm. So the equation that we have to figure out. Now, one of the things that I love is uh, I grew up in the, in the Midwest, and, and there's this cave called Mammoth Cave. I don't know, has anybody been to Mammoth Cave? You can walk through yeah, it. You can walk through it. It's like everything. But you walk into this room, and it's pitch black. And, uh, and, and then they turn on the lights, and you see this, right? Stalactites and stalagmites. I don't know which one's going up, which one's going down. It's not important. But it's amazing. And so it's pitch black when you're in a cave. There's nothing more black than a cave, like a pitch black, right? And so there's no light. And they flip on the lights, and you see this. And what's really interesting is that darkness and light have to separate. Light can't be overcome by darkness. It's never like if they turn on and light never happens, yeah. there's an electricity problem, not a light problem, right? Yeah. And so darkness has to flee. But what you see is that when darkness flees and light comes, you see beauty. Because God said that I created everything besides darkness, and it was good. So when we're talking to people who are experiencing darkness, inside of them, if we flip on the lights, are a bunch of stalactites and stalagmites. Beauty is happening, right? And so we, with enthusiasm and joy, when we speak into darkness, it flees, and we call out the beauty of who God created them to be. And it's a beautiful thing in their soul. And that's what we miss. That's why darkness has to flee. Because we call out the beauty of people. Genesis 1, he called it good. It's all beautiful. And sometimes we have to go into the deepest, darkest caves of some people's lives and tell the darkness to flee and simply radiate light and radiate joy and radiate enthusiasm into their souls. Ephesians 5.8 For you, all of us, were once, once darkness. We were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. So what should you do? Live as children of light. Let's get our minds around this. This is mind-blowing stuff. This is not saying that we live in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, meaning we now understand it. He's not saying that. He's saying we are light in the Lord. So we actually take on this spiritual character of light somehow. I don't know how it works, but it's how it works. All right? So this is, this is the character. As children of God... We don't have just like enlightenment, like we understand it. No, children of God are actually now a different creature. Yes. We are light. Amen. Really interesting. Amen. And what does Paul say about this fact? Ephesians 5, 9-11. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And we find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Like the mammoth cave. Yeah. Paul is saying that the natural product of light is the natural fruit of loving generosity of Christ's goodness, our willingness to be obedient to Christ's righteousness, and the light and the honesty and the truth of Jesus Christ. That's what we are to do. To be light, we have to be consumed with and have a deep and true desire to, to chase after what does the Lord, what pleases the Lord? That's what Paul's saying. Yeah. That question yeah. should always be going through us as children of light. What pleases you, Lord? Yeah. What pleases you? 
And today, so many Christians are walking around not being the light and not asking, what pleases you, Lord? Come on. Come on. They think they have it figured out. They think they're enlightened because they understand the gospel. Mm -hmm. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying you are now light. Yeah. It changes everything. Mm -hmm. So everything we do should be this question. What pleases you, Lord? What pleases you? What am I supposed to do in this circumstance? Mm -hmm. As light, we must have a daily practice of getting into the word yeah. and listening to the Holy Spirit and asking this question. In a dark, crazy world with darkness arising, what pleases you, Lord? And that's a significant thing. We expose we are exposed lives that darkness will try to hide, but we call it out. Second yeah. Corinthians 4 6. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. At least leave that up because I want to say this. Here, Paul is saying. Genesis 1-3. Since the beginning of time, God has shown a light into darkness. First thing he does, one of the first things he does is light into darkness. This is then an identity of who God is. Because Paul's saying, remember, God who said this, let light, shine, let light shine out of darkness. What we see is that now through Christ, God is allowing us to gaze at his glory. Through Christ, we now get a chance to, 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 that's not, I knew this was going to happen. I literally prayed today not to get tongue-tied, but you knew it was going to happen once. But we gaze at his glory, and it's so powerful. The more we reflect on the gospel, the more we're in prayer, the more that we are transfixed with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the more single-minded we are about Jesus and his ministry, the more our light shines in our hearts. That's the thing. When we say daily practices to do this, it's not some sort of thing to make you feel guilty. It's rather to say, I want the light of Christ to shine so brightly and so purely that I need to, on a daily basis, be consumed, all consumed by what the Lord has for me. It's mind-blowing stuff. Let's... Uh, I was thinking about this. The question has to be asked, if this is true about us, why, what's holding us back? We talked about this before. Ordinary faith. Many of you feel an ordinary faith. That's fine. So what's, what's holding us back? And as I was studying it, I said, okay, I think there's three things. I'm sure there's more, but there's three things I want to talk about today that's holding us back from reflecting this light in a pure way. So Isaiah 59, let's jump in there. The first one. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his eye too dull to hear. It's not a God problem is what he's saying. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken falsely, and your tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case for integrity. They rely on the empty arguments. They utter lies. They conceive trouble and give birth. I cut out the rest because he keeps going. And I didn't want to make you guys feel terrible. <laughs> he keeps going. Read it. Isaiah 59. He keeps going. Fast forward. Isaiah uh, 59, verse 9 and 10. For justice is far from us, and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light... But all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in dark shadows. 
Like the blind, we grope the wall, along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. At midday, we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong, we are like dead. What we first see is that sin strains our relationship with God. When it says he was hidden his face, it's a symbol of a break in communication. Right? When, when we have unrepentant sin in our life, when we don't get real, and we don't get right, and we don't break it all down. Do you ever feel that? There's a breakdown in communication. We find ourselves looking for light, wanting to reflect light, but we have this breakdown. Our unrepentant sin can keep us from discovering this important question. What, does, what pleases the Lord in this situation? Instead of reflecting light, we can find ourselves in the darkness. Sometimes when we have unrepentant sin, we can feel like the blind who's groping the wall just trying to get down. We can feel like my kids when all the power's out and they're trying to get down the hallway. You just Darkness is all you see. You're trying to see light, but all you can see is darkness. Yeah. Being people without eyes reflect on the Lord. This is what we have to do. This is a daily practice. I, I put it in the first thing every morning, confessing my sins. Lord, search me every night. Lord, search me. What is it? Because a lot of times it's sins that we're not aware of. You might feel like, man, I did great today. I'm rocking it. That's fine. He's not saying that really. Remember, he says uh, words that you utter that you don't even realize are not what he pleased. What not pleasing him. Get right with God. It releases us from shame and guilt and allows us to reflect more boldly what the Lord has for us. Second thing I see that diminishes our life. 1 John 2. Anyone who claims to be light in the, but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. John is saying, for us to be in the light, we have to fully understand that Hating our brothers and sisters keep us from being in that light. He's telling us to love one another, which shows that they are true believers in Jesus. Hatred runs counter to who Jesus is. No buts about it. This is what it says here. Being an enemy to people falsely represents Jesus by us pretending to follow Jesus, but not reflecting what who Jesus is. It's hard. Isaiah told us, we are blinded when we shamelessly practice sin while claiming to be enlightened. If we deceive ourselves, that's what it looks like. Practicing hatred and not love is an internal stumbling block for us. Matter of fact, it doesn't do much to the other person. It just kind of messes with you. And the Lord's saying you can't see with your eyes when you do that. If you are holding a grudge, if you have any hatred, any ill feelings, any unforgiveness, any gossip, repent of it now. Repent of it now. Anything you're holding back, repent of it now. Because it keeps us from it. There's freedom when we do that too. Alright, now the third one. It's going to feel like Sunday school, which is totally fine. You are the light of the world, Matthew 5. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. 
Instead, they put it on the stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Think of it this way. Almost every night, I basically, it's like, okay, time to chill out. Meg might be sitting on the couch, and i got to get a little bit of ice cream. i got to go get a bowl of ice cream. So I get some ice cream. I put it into a bowl. And a lot of times, think of this, your, your spouse or your roommate or your boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever it is, they always say, hey, do you mind turning on that light, right? Like, turning off this light, turning that light on. This is the equivalent of me saying, yeah, Meg, I'll turn that light on. And then taking my ice cream and dumping it into the trash, turning the light on, and then putting a bowl over it. This is how stupid it is that Jesus is telling us, right? When we light a light and we don't put it on the lampstand, but rather we light a light and then we put a bowl over it, it makes no sense whatsoever. And this, I think, is the risk to where we're at today as a community. I think the church can be very, very, very insular and not let our light shine outside. And now the problem with it when I was writing this, I was thinking, our lights have to shine because as darkness increases, the light must increase. Yes. And so for us, if darkness is increasing, we must let the lights shine brighter and we have to put it on a taller lampstand yes. for it to produce not light, not put a bowl over it. So what keeps us from that? I'm afraid that we're not ready for darkness. Dead serious. I think it's one of the biggest risks to the church that we're not ready for darkness. It's coming. Right? And you can feel it. I mean, it's yes. not like it's... People are just struggling. It's fine. But we have to bring light to the situation. Yes. Sometimes we're worried about being judged. Sometimes we're worried about standing up for truth. Sometimes it's just too hard. Sometimes we make a point it doesn't work, and then we're like, oh, never doing that again. It doesn't work sometimes. We have to do it over and over and over again. The light was good at the beginning of time. Jesus was the light of the world, and he lights us, and we simply do this. Put it on the lampstand and don't put a bowl over it. I want to end here. Um, one of the most beautiful things about the biblical text is that the narrative of light goes throughout it. I, I could have done 60 more verses, and sometimes I do that, but not today. But what we see is at the end in Revelations, we see at the very end of Revelation. We see throughout history that the people of God have been called to be light to the nations. The Israelites were called to be light to the other nations, right? They were called to be holy as God is holy to draw the nations to God. Jesus, the true person of God, was the light of the world. And now we are Jesus followers who are the light of the world. And the light story reaches its climax as John speaks of this temple city. So Revelation, uh, Revelation 21 Verse 23 and 24 says, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is the Lamb. Yes. God again. Jesus again. Light of the world. He's the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. People from all the nations are going to be so attracted to this life that the church is calling them to that the light will call them in, the good news of Christ, where they will find their way to this temple city. All of us who believe will find our way to this temple city. And this describes what happens when we are truly lights in the darkness. 
in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods. The Temple City is full of divine glory. That there is no need for the sun or the moon, just like in Genesis 1. It's crazy to think about. He created light before the sun and the moon, and it was good. It's all restored, and what do we find? Revelation 22, 5. There will be no more night. Darkness is over. No reason to be scared, Jeremiah name. Night will be gone. There will not there will not need the light, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. From the beginning, God separated light. Jesus is the light. We are now the light. But there is a lot that can be holding us back. Darkness is increasing. We have to shine our lights brighter. So I want you just to bow your heads. Because I don't want to walk away from this where just like everything's good. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I'm not going to make you pray with another person. Don't stress. Unrepentant sin in your life. Right now, spend some time with God. Search people right now. Holy Spirit, reveal in you any unrepentant sin they have. Reveal in them what you want to release them from so that you can shine more brightly. Anybody here who has unforgiveness, who has hatred for a brother or sister, who's had trouble or has gossip or has just been sinful to a brother or sister, just pray for repentance. It's over. It's good. The Lord forgives you. Let the light shine. Anybody here who's backed down, who said, man, I knew that I was supposed to do this. I knew that I was supposed to shine brightly. I feel like I'm backing down at work. I feel like I'm backing down for this one person in our family. Darkness can't. Darkness has to flee. Let's light ourselves up here. So Lord, just be with our people as we spend, spend a minute here. Just Holy Spirit, we, literally, just Holy Spirit right now, just reveal in our brothers and sisters' hearts what, what, you, want to, what you want them to do. Father, we thank you since the creation of the world that you called light good. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ who saved us from our sins. And now, Lord, help us to understand our identity as the light of the world. We're supposed to radiate light and radiate joy and radiate enthusiasm into a dark world. Lord, I thank you that you have that calling. Lord, I pray right now this week that you would help us to say what pleases the Lord in every situation that we're faced. I know each one of my brothers and sisters are going to be faced with some situation where they're just like, ah, oh, I don't know what to do. Lord, would you, with you, through your spirit, just reveal to them what pleases the Lord in every situation in their life. We love you with everything that we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.